You're listening to Astroscope, astrology podcast by Mark Lerner and Great Bear Enterprises. This podcast is sponsored by Buzzword Consulting and Forfame.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 13th edition of our podcast, a mini-series on the sun in the United States birth chart by progression, secondary progression, conjunct Pallas Athena by progression at 14 plus of Pisces, which has just occurred in the last 24 hours, May 28, 2019. If you've been going through these podcasts, the first 12 before this, I've presented all kinds of material about when I started to research all of this several years ago, and the fact that the archetypes of Pallas Athena, which I've explained in the first dozen of these podcasts, her archetypes have been very strong for years, building up an incredible power the last couple of months, particularly the themes of intelligence gathering, justice, miscarriage of justice, and fighting for justice, as well as how we protect and defend our nation, just like our, our body has an immune system and a DNA and a genetic code which are connected to Pallas Athena, as I've reported before. We have a Department of Defense, and we need to be able to protect the country, uh, which wasn't protected a couple of years ago in terms of voting, one of the most important uh, rights that we have as American citizens, and where we are faced with a potential disaster on the voting uh, in the voting system for next year in 2020 so much hinges on what will happen with the presidency and the senate and the house once again uh so at this critical time uh in podcast 11 i ended by sharing the information that uh candidate kamala harris would be doing a town hall in south carolina which she did do uh, and I watched that. Um, it was on several news stations. And if you didn't catch it, you can probably find it by going to YouTube. Uh, Kamala Harris Town Hall in Spartanburg, South Carolina, hosted by Lawrence O'Donnell. Uh, and she performed very well, received uh, a tremendous amount of support there. One of the astounding things though, that happened this afternoon on this exact date of uh, May 28th, 2019, when the Progress Sun and Palace for the United States became exact, was a complete surprise. I've I've talked about Justin Amash in the last podcast. He is the conservative, right-wing, former Tea Party libertarian representative from the 3rd District in Michigan. And I explained that in a rather extraordinary synchronicity, he was born uh, April 18, 1980, and I explained that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's born October 13, 1989, their births are separated by nine and a half years, one coming in in 1980, the other coming in 1989. Um, they shared the same exact palace Athena. And I was just looking in, in actually the... Uh, asteroid ephemeris that goes from 1900 to 2050 
And so Pallas Athena has about a four to five year cycle. So let's remember that when Justin Amash, way on the right wing, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez just coming in as a 29-year-old on, on the left side of the political spectrum, uh, when Justin Amash came in, he came in in 2011, he had just had a Saturn return, the key cycle when a person is 29 to 30, who am I, where am I going, what does my life mean? The same thing that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is experiencing now as she has just entered in 2019 into the Congress, the youngest woman person ever to come into the House. So it's interesting to know that um, even though Justin Amash is way on the right side of the political spectrum and a conservative Republican, he decided today, I didn't know that was happening, I think most of the nation didn't know, to do a town hall in his own hometown of Grand Grand Rapids, Michigan, to report back to his constituency why he came out. Um, The same weekend, which is a little over a week ago, when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, okay, I've gone through uh, the Mueller report and looked at everything and started analyzing where things are at with obstruction of justice and we really need to begin impeachment proceedings. The same time, the same weekend, which was, by the way, the full moon weekend, what we call the Buddha Waysack full moon, the high spiritual full moon of the year, which happened back on Saturday, May 18th. So that uh, weekend, and by the way, there's another whole component of that. We've had hundreds of tornadoes and storms uh, throughout, particularly the Midwest, going on for about 11 days. And it all goes back to that weekend. So if you look at the article in Global Hotspots, the article um, which we I put in May 19th or May 20th, but it's on the May 18th full moon. That full moon, uh, the sun was exactly conjunct Sedna, this faraway planet way beyond Pluto, who has so much to do with disturbances in the the seas and the oceans and the waters. And if you read about what's happening with the uh, crazy weather, I mean, it's very disturbing, dangerous, and killed a number of people, and there's all kinds of flash floods. It's not. It's, it's been rather underreported because the news is so focused often on what President Trump does or doesn't do and his recent trip in the last weekend over to Japan and some of the uh, unusual things that happened there. So the weather hasn't really been reported, but if you go to that article, you'll see part of the reason why uh, not only the sun being with Sedna, but other planetary positions above and below through the United States. So that's a little bit of an aside, uh, but I wanted to make sure people would uh, look at that article in Global Hotspots about the Waysack Buddha full moon and see the map there and learn more about how astrocartography relocation techniques work. So back to our storyline here. Today, they were reporting through the different of the evening news programs and showing Justin Amash. By the way, somebody stood up in this town hall and immediately first said, um, and I don't know whether he was middle of the road, right wing liberal, because again, this is his constituency. He represents this area of Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, and said, first of all, I want to commend you on your courage. And at that moment, People started applauding, got a standing ovation. And then there were a couple of people uh, who were Trump supporters and came in and said, how dare you do this? 
But for the most part, um, just to Namasha, somebody who's actually read the full Mueller report, and you might be reminded about the 700 to 800 prosecutors from around the country, uh, former prosecutors, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal of all different areas, who in the last couple of weeks have read particularly what's considered the second part of the Mueller report, all about at least 10 instances of obstruction of justice committed by the Trump campaign, uh, staffers, Trump family members, President Trump, and so on, where Robert Mueller obviously wanted this to go to Congress so that Congress would sort out the whole thing of should this president be impeached or not be impeached, uh, are his crimes or apparent crimes, if you can call them that, or um, the the lies and distortions, do they rise to the level of uh, impeachable offenses as given out in in the Constitution, and which is really the prerogative of our legislature to make those decisions. So, um, again, what, what actually happened, I find this pretty amazing, that this young re- Republican conservative who came in in 2011, so he was only 30 to 31 years old, had just had a Saturn return, his palace Athena is at three plus of Aries, which in another podcast in the future, when I analyze more of America's birth chart from July 4th of 1776 and get into midpoint structures, there are two very prominent midpoint structures of major planets at three of Aries, this this area where he has Pallas Athena. And then nine plus years go by and Pallas Athena has about a four plus year cycle. So Halfway through the 1980s, after just Justin Amash was born, at the age of four to five, he would have had a palace return. Then four to five years later, he'd have a second palace return because palaces orbit in the uh, area of the asteroids is about four plus years. In 1989, in the springtime, six months before Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was born, palace moved Several degrees past three plus Aries, moved to about mid Aries, made a station, went into reverse. And exactly on the day that she was born, I can't really make this up. This is what we call cosmic synchronicity. Exactly on the day she was born, October 13, 1989, Pallas in retrograde came back to precisely the same place where Justin Amash had Pallas when he was born nine and a half years earlier. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has the moon at the same degree. So she comes in, as I've reported in a previous podcast, with moon conjunct Pallas Athena. Exactly. Together. Which is the same conjunction that the United States is born with, moon conjunct Pallas. And by the way, as I started this uh, 13th podcast, late Aquarius is rising out here in Oregon, the exact placement of the moon with Pallas Athena. Uh, in the United States birth chart. I didn't plan it that way. I've just been watching news all night, decided I really need to share this because the town hall that I knew was happening was one with Kamala Harris in Spartanburg, South Carolina. And that was already projected or uh, put on TV from a week ago. So I knew that was happening literally on the night of the exact Progress Sun and Progress Palace Athena coming together. So that's a little bit on that score today, which is one of the reasons I absolutely had to share this part of the podcast. Secondly, uh, 
I was sharing about Kamala Harris's birth chart and William Weld's birth chart in the last podcast. Now, William Weld is, unless something happens, going to run in several primaries. This is what I reported about. I've watched him now several times. He has quite an interesting history in terms of the credits, his brilliance, um, his performance, two-term governor in liberal Massachusetts, coming in as a Republican conservative or moderate, uh, working in the criminal division of the uh, of the Justice Department, I reported that last time. And I mentioned he's born with the sun in Leo at eight plus degrees of Leo, and his pals Athena is eight plus of Libra. And about seven hours after he was born, that sun palace sextile, 60 degrees, considered a very positive and favorable energy field, became exact. So here we are talking about sun-palace conjunction progressed by secondary progression for the United States, having never happened before uh, in the whole 243-year history of the United States. It will not happen again for over 400 years, assuming the country is still here in some kind of format, and we're still using the July 4th, 1776 chart. So here we have this individual who has decided, and he's the lone individual to run in the primaries against an incumbent president next year. And he's born in the day when the sun is not relating exactly. I mean, it is within two degrees of his Pluto. So that's, that's um, a strong two degree orb alignment, but the alignment he has with sun and palace is minutes apart. And each degree of the Zodiac has 60 minutes of arc. So the fact that somebody is born and the, the most exact solar alignment is taking place just a few hours later means this person is uh, enmeshed with, ab- absorbing Pallas Athena as a major archetype. The reason I wanted to bring him up one more time is that on November 3rd next year, 2020, what will happen is Venus will be exactly at 8 plus of Libra. In other words, Venus exactly on top is, of his Pallas Athena. Again, there are 360 degrees in the zodiac. The fact that these are exact kind of alignments. So I'm not suggesting that somehow, I mean, anything is possible, but I'm not suggesting that somehow William Weld running, let's say in the Iowa caucuses, running in the New Hampshire primary, this will be next February of 2020. Uh, South Carolina, then there's Super Tuesday, March 4th, we're at least 13 states. So, William Weld is going to get some votes. The votes may be a small percent. However, it will be a chink in the armor of Trump, Pence on their way toward uh, running again. Now, we don't know what's going to happen between now and then anyway. And as a reminder, it was in the last podcast or two uh, that I, I think it was the second to last, where I brought up the fact that the concept of, of um, running out the clock that President Trump is at the end of a 29 and a half year sun-moon progress cycle. These We all have these cycles. Any, all of us at any given time are in a new moon progress cycle of sun and moon or first quarter moon cycle or full moon cycle or last quarter moon cycle of where the sun has progressed to in this system. And progressions are deep. They're emotional, psychological, and spiritual. They're working in a kind of subterranean 
way throughout our lives. They're different than what we call transits, which are the regular movements of sun, moon, planets, asteroids, Chiron, the lunar nodes. Transits are where things are now or at any given now compared to your birth chart. Progressions are kind of a slow, gradual, moving unfoldment going back to the month, day, and year of when you were born. And so um, what's going on is that uh, we find that I, my sense is, is just like uh, Senator Eugene McCarthy of Minnesota, who decided to run in 1968 against the incumbent president, Lyndon Baines Johnson, in the New Hampshire primary. He didn't win it, but he got, I think it was about 40% in the Democratic primary to the president's 49% back in 68. And this caused President Johnson at the end of, at the end of I guess it was end of February, um, to decide he wasn't going to, it was right after that New Hampshire primary, shortly after that, he gave a speech to the nation that he he would not run again, which led to Robert Kennedy entering the race on March 16 of 1968. And now with the whole Twitter universe and all the things that the president of the United States are throwing around as eye candy, look here, look, look there, all these different issues and everybody getting distracted by what's going on there. Um, it time seems very weird. So later in this in this podcast, I want to catch up of so many of the events of the last five or six days over the Memorial Day weekend, and it's quite an extensive list. And I don't plan on continuing to do that another podcast, but because the Sun Palace Progress Conjunction for the United States is now exact, and it will still stay in effect. We're having the transiting station of Palace in the next couple of days in Libra's palace stations from its retrograde goes direct. And as I reported before, next May, May 17, 2020, when it stations again to go retrograde, it will be at zero plus of Aquarius, this very significant degree that I've reported about before and where all presidents are inaugurated on January 20th of it, of any given presidential year when, when they're uh, oath of office takes place, and this has been occurring since 1937 on January 20th instead of the old date of March 4th. Um, okay, so there you have um, this idea that what I what I feel is that it's possible that William Weld from the Republican side is going to put a chink in the Trump-Pence uh, movement toward uh, running again next year, but we still don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of months because President Trump, in the middle of September, will shift from the old 29 and a half year progressed sun moon cycle into an entirely new cycle. And I will be sharing more about that in the future. So, this whole urge to create a kind of revisionist um, field of recent history by William Barr and the president that the Mueller report and this was all a witch hunt. It's illegal. Therefore, everything that happened, kind of turning back the clock and saying it should have never occurred in the first place, putting all this blame on Jim Comey and several other people and trying to uh, make it seem as if all of this was illegal from the start. That's what's really going on from the extreme uh, right wing presidential Justice Department view of what's going on. So we are in um, an all-out battle between the executive branch of the government and and certainly the legislative branch. And this is why I brought in Chief Justice John Roberts and the Supreme Court, the third branch of government, which should, if all works 
according to some higher plan, ethically and morally, becomes a, um, a kind of bridging mechanism, a, an equilibrium to reestablish a calmness and, and a harmony and peace in this country, and hopefully that will happen. Okay, so what I'd like to do here is I actually want to talk about um, the Declaration of Independence, the birth chart of the country. Let me talk about that for a few minutes. Um, this brings up a big can of worms, so I don't want to make this the be-all and end-all. Another uh, podcast, I'm going to talk more about um, the work of different professional astrologers over the course of time to determine what is the actual birth chart of the United States. Um, the key book I would like people to take a look at is The Astrology of America's Destiny by my main mentor, Dane Rudyard, spelled R-U-D-H-Y-A-R, for his last name, I'm not going to get into the whole history of his amazing work, but he put this book out, I believe it was 1972, 1973, and he did uh, quite a bit of extraordinary research to reaffirm why it's July 4th of 1776, even though there's all this contention by, it's not just astrologers, it's historians and so on. Oh no, it was really July 2nd two days before, oh no, it was a couple of days later, oh, in August, uh, uh, almost a month later, there were all these other signings and things that happened. Um, what I want to say here is, first of all, if you look at the document itself, the Declaration of Independence, it says, in Congress, July 4, 1776, and uh, talks about the representatives who were there making this declaration. So the parchment itself, and the point being is that the birth of the United States is not based on signings of things, um, although signings are important or people's signatures. It's based on a public declaration of independence, declaring independence. And really, unless one has been to the birth of a child or seen a child born, and I've been fortunate enough to be at two births, um, then you see that what birth is, is the, is, and if you think of this medically, it's the first cry or the first breath. So birth has to do with airing out or receiving air in the lungs of the baby. So when you think about a baby being in its mother's womb and the amniotic fluid, the baby is not breathing on its own. It's through the umbilical cord and study biology. The, the baby is receiving um, all this nutrition until such time as it's it's going to be born, and when the umbilical cord is is cut, what what and the baby is coming out. So when the baby is coming out, it's not born yet. Okay, as long as the umbilical cord is attached to the baby, the baby is receiving um, through the uh, red blood cells and the, the blood energy is receiving nutrition and and air and so on through the mother through its 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 lung system. But it's not breathing on its own. It's not taking actual air from the atmosphere. And so what do the nursemaids or midwives who's, who are attending the birth or doctors, the, the umbilical cord is, is cut and the baby is pat on the back or the mouth is cleared out in order to allow the baby to take its first breath. And when the first breath comes into the baby's lungs and it utters a cry or 
the realization, oh yeah, the baby is breathing. Then the baby is born. That child is born. So it's air. It's airing out or air, air coming in. Life is the breath. And that's how everything begins. It's not later on when a doctor or somebody signs the, the birth certificate that says, oh yeah, this baby was a live birth. Uh, for instance, at the birth of my eldest child, which was in Inverness, Scotland, there were two midwives. And when she came out and the umbilical cord was cut and um, she was wrapped up and she started breathing, uttered her first cry, one of the midwives, there was a big clock in the, in the, in the uh, labor uh, hospital room, and one of the midwives uh, looked up the clock and announced the birth time, just literally said it, and I was there with a stopwatch myself being a professional astrologer. So later on, it might have been an hour later, half an hour later, two hours later, somebody entered a log saying so-and-so was born, at this particular time, here's the name, if the name has already been given, live births, the gender, and so on. It's not when that person writes it down. It's not when they when a doctor says, okay, I'm going to sign this and sign the birth certificate that, that this child was born at this time. It's not when, when some signature happens later. It's when the baby is born. So on July 4th of 1776, a declaration mostly written by Thomas Jefferson and then reviewed by John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, and one or two other people who reviewed everything, came back to the Congress there, and it was accepted as a declaration of independence from Mother England with all the great writing and everything, and that's the birth of the United States. Now, through Welcome to Planet Earth, the magazine that uh, first it was a, a newsletter, then it was a newspaper and a magazine reaching thousands of people, pioneering, many astrologers were part of, of my publication, I wrote extensively as well. That's how the cosmic calendar that I've been doing now for 38 years began in the summer of 1981. So in in there, we have been reporting about as close as we can get to what we believe is the exact time of day in the late afternoon of July 4th, 1776, when the United States was born. But even if one accepted a different time, and there are other astrologers say, no, it wasn't the late afternoon, it was... There have been all kinds of things over the decades. Oh, somebody at two in the morning shouted out something in Congress, and that's why the United States would have Gemini rising. Or another group of astrologers felt, oh, it has to be Libra rising with Saturn on the horizon for various reasons. Mark Penfield, who does a lot of great rectification research, and I respect a lot of his work, he firmly believes the United States has Scorpio rising, which is a birth maybe around... Uh, somewhere in the middle of the afternoon. In the pages of Welcome Planet Earth and through a research named Barry Lyons, who I knew back in Massachusetts when I began Welcome Planet Earth, and he did an extraordinary, meticulous type of research um, on events throughout history after 1776, he was able to prove, and he, and he published his book, The Next 20 Years, with all of his rectification. It's something I firmly believe in, and it's very close in time to my mentor, Dane Rudyard's articulation of a late afternoon birth for the United States on July 4th, 1776. And in in the chart we use, Sagittarius is the rising sign. But be that as it may, even if this wasn't the exact time, but there was a different time on July 4th of 1776, the sun, Pallas, 
progressed conjunction would still be taking place now. It would still have been building up over the last several years. It will still be powerful for the next several weeks, months, and into next year. So this is not going away. This is why I wanted to do this particular uh, uh, podcast where I'm bringing together the power of the United States chart so that you know that the progressed sun and palace union at 14 plus of Pisces isn't a pipe dream. It's not based on something erroneous. In many ways, this is similar to this whole thing about the Mueller report. Either you believe, I mean, for, for people to believe that the Mueller report is a sham, that the whole thing is a witch hunt, that it completely exonerated the president and so on, to listen to the words of William Barr, who's obviously more of the acting as the president's attorney rather than the attorney for the United States. And so many people were trusting that William Barr coming in for the second time, he had been uh, he had been the United States Attorney General under first President Bush 30 years ago. Now Saturn comes back and he's back there again for the second time, which is very unusual. And he's pitching the Trumpian line. But if you know who Robert Mueller is, if you really look back at his life and his service to the country as the head of the FBI for 10 years and then a couple more years after that, him being a Marine captain and just looking at his biography and the fact that for 22 months he worked on this whole uh, as special counsel in this setup that Rob Rosenstein had given to him. And then if you realize that within the Justice Department they have in the Office of Legal Counsel this memo, it's not in the Constitution, that a sitting president cannot be indicted. Robert Mueller, for one reason or another, as an institutionalist, as somebody who had been in the Marines, was going to follow the orders that he had been given by Rod Rosenstein in him being selected. He was going to go by the book. He wasn't going to be a revolutionary. We've given out his chart before. It's it's in either Earth Aquarius News on our website on Great Bear Enterprises or it's in the Global Hotspot. It's probably in both of them. And I will bring up his chart at another date. Um, so to me, everything rests on whether he's going to be respected or he's not. To me, he needs to be respected if you look at his life. To dishonor him and for the Republicans in the Senate to not speak up for this man. We do have it with Justin Amash uh, today, a former representative from Missouri, a Republican, Tom Coleman, was on TV and he came out over the weekend also saying, like Justin Amash, the president uh, needs to be brought up on impeachment for obstruction of justice. So we've got Pallas Athena all over the place. As I said, in an extraordinary synchronicity, we've got the link of Pallas Athena at exactly the same degree of the Zodiac, three plus Aries, in the chart of the, the right-wing, conservative, libertarian, former Tea Partier, Justin Amash, who gave a, uh, a surprise town hall today in his home district, got a standing ovation, even though some people disagreed, but for the courage of coming out and saying, look, it doesn't, this isn't political. It's not whether you're right wing or left wing. It's not whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It has to do with the system of government, the constitutional system, that we're in a democracy of some kind. And if we don't follow through with the rules and the laws, which are a Pallas Athena type energy field of what I'm saying, 
the, otherwise we create a miscarriage of justice. And by the way, this whole thing, you know, one of the problems that we've had is that the president thinks he can even pardon himself. He, he's been pardoning all kinds of people. One of the big things that's now created a ripple, a very powerful response from some of the best people in our military, whether it's Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force, is the recent um, possibility that President Trump has put out. He might pardon um, some of American military men who have been accused of war crimes. And just think about that. If the president of the United States were, were to try and pardon somebody uh, in the military who our own military through a court martial has determined created a, a war crime, and he then pardons them, think about what that really means symbolically, because then he can have Mike Pence pardon him. I mean, if you're going to pardon someone for creating a war crime where you might have executed innocent civilians or men, women, and children in a war and gone against the Geneva Con Convention, and you have a president of the United States who, who overturns um, a court-martial or an actual judicial proceeding where an American officer or soldier committed a war crime, which he wasn't or she wasn't supposed to do, that, and if he were to do this more than once, in a way, not only is he talking about being above the law of the military, but he is pardoning somebody and therefore, in a way, creating um, the potential that then he should be pardoned. After all, he didn't commit a, the president didn't commit a war crime. And if you can pardon somebody who did commit a war crime, then how serious would be his own sins or his own uh, obstruction of justice? And therefore, he could then get away and people would say, oh, well, you know, he did some, you know, uh, terrible things. He obstructed justice, but at least he didn't commit a war crime. So uh, the military, many different leaders and on TV have been saying, if the president were allowed to do that, if he started to pardon, uh, and this has been something that was been reported in this whole build-up the sun with palace, this would be a gigantic miscarriage of justice. So again, the archetypes of palace Athena on so many levels have been active of recent, and I did want to bring this up. Now, part of the reason I wanted to bring up about the United States uh, birth chart is that my main mentor, Dane Rudyard, in, in his extraordinary book, The Lunation Cycle, I mean, he created so many masterworks going all the way back to where I worked at Lucis Trust, Lucis Publishing Company, the Arcane School, which is where the Alice Bailey books uh, have been sold. And over 30 years from 1919 to 1949, Alice Bailey was uh, not only wrote her own books, but her teacher, mentor, shaman, the Tibetan master D.K., uh, when you read the books that really are his writings, she was a channel um, for his teachings. You can clearly see this ingenious consciousness coming through Alice Bailey in works like A Treatise on Cosmic Fire, The Rays and the Initiations, Esoteric Astrology, Esoteric Psychology, um, a book that I'm reading now that I never did read, even though I worked there before I ever went to Findhorn in the 1970s. They in their office in New York City near the United Nations. I'm reading now the externalization of the hierarchy, um, kind of almost like a diary during World War II, a time of tremendous battle between good and evil. And it's it's just illuminating um, what the Tibetan master DK writing through Alice Bailey had to say in these years of 1938, 1939, 1940, 1941. 
And I'm so glad, uh, and I will eventually read from there in a future, or at least some key paragraphs and what he's driving at in this battle between good and evil, because this battle has been going on over the eons, whether it's the Crusades, the Iliad, uh, which I reported about, the Greeks versus the Trojans, World War One, World War Two, the Civil War, Hundred Years' War, uh, Napoleonic Wars, um, things that have been going on for centuries and even a long time ago, Atlantis, uh, ancient Egypt, all these different cultures and things that we don't even know about that go back thousands of years, if not even longer, when you study metaphysics. What I wanted to say here, but in the Lunation Cycle, which he wrote in 19, around 1942, 1943, during World War II, toward the end of that extraordinary book, uh, Rudyard, and I think he is the originator of this, came up with this concept of the new moon before birth chart, before a person is born, or before a business is started, before someone takes the oath of office as president. That we, Every one of us is born at some solar lunar phase. Um, I've been talking about the progressed solar lun lunar phase for President Trump, that he's at the end of a 29 and a half year cycle, and we'll start a new one in mid-September, and this is this idea of running out the clock uh, before he weakens even more, because I've, I've said before, if, if he had a spiritual teacher, an astrologer talking to him, what that, what that astrologer or teacher should be telling him is, Mr. President, hey, it's June, July, you're going to have your birthday in, in a couple of weeks on June 14th, and it's going to be the summertime. You have one more chance over the next couple of months to look back over the last 29 and a half years to, uh, in a sense, it's, it's kind of like looking at one's sins of omission and commission, asking for forgiveness. Who did you hurt? You know, what did you say that was inappropriate? Um, come to grips inside of yourself. You know, any person who's reasonably um, sensitive to who they are and how they could hurt people or help people need to understand these lunar cycles, not just at a, the end of a 29-year-and-a-half-year a cycle. When people have a progressed new moon, when they have a first quarter moon or a full moon, last quarter moon, or some of the cycles in between, sun and moon in a what we call a 45-degree phase or 135 degrees or a trine of 120 degrees, waxing or waning. There are all these progressed cycles, and not just the sun and moon. Other planets in the birth chart are having conjunctions or oppositions or different aspects. So the more one learns about progressions, they're operating on deep, emotional, psychological, soulful levels, including the asteroids, including Chiron, including the lunar nodes. Um, in fact, there's going to be another big progressed cycle that I will be sharing about down the road. It may not be for a couple of months, but it's going to be another big one uh, that I didn't even realize was something I needed to report on, but now I know I do. Uh, I have to do it. So the new moon before birth for the United States, why is that significant? I happened to go through one of my software programs and I decided, you know what? I haven't really looked all that much at the new moon. I did look at it a long time ago. This may be many years. The new moon before July 4th, 1776. When did the sun and moon come together? And what Rudyard said, my teacher, was that that was a seed point. In other words, when the United States was born, the sun is in the sign Cancer, the moon is in Aquarius. It's what's called the disseminating phase. And the disseminating phase comes in after a full moon and between a full moon and a last quarter moon. So the moon is waning 
in the United States birth chart. It's it's Aquarius. It's late in Aquarius where the moon is placed, again, exactly with Pallas Athena. And then the sun is in the sign Cancer. But before that, you go back a couple of weeks, there was a new moon. And here's the interesting thing. I brought up the fact just a few minutes ago that there are different times of birth that certain astrologers have assumed the United States born on July 4th, 1776, at least for those astrologers who don't believe it's another date. And I, I believe just reason and logic and just looking at history and looking at all the studies, clearly, if you don't look at July 4th, 1776, and the positions in that chart, then you're missing all the essential ingredients of what is going on in terms of the evolution of the United States year by year, decade by decade, century by century. That chart is the granddaddy most important chart. By the way, I do look at other charts. There's the chart I call presidential power. When George Washington took the oath of office as the first president, April 30th of 1789, that's a chart for presidential power. I reported, I think, in the last podcast, you can do a chart for the beginning of the American government, the wheels of the operation of the whole enterprise of what America is, March 4, 1789, probably using midnight and Philadelphia. That would be the beginning of the government of the United States. Uh, I believe it's Philadelphia. It might have been New York. I'm pretty sure it's Philadelphia. I'd have to look that back up. But offhand, I'm not looking at that chart right at the moment. So um, fundamentally, there are different charts. There's a chart for the Constitution when it was uh, accepted on September 17, 1787, but it wasn't ratified until the following June. And then there's the Bill of Rights for December 15 of 1791, which we're going to look at as well, which is a very important chart. And there are other charts that can be used for the United States, but those are some of the most important ones. But the actual birth chart, the one that works all the time is for the Declaration of Independence. Now, what's amazing, though, is that we can calculate the exact time now with our modern software and computer skills when the new moon before birth happened. And I'm giving that out in this particular, um, the chart, just to show it. And there's a reason I wanted to do that. So the new moon before birth for America using Philadelphia, June 15, 1776, 1021 p.m. You'll see in that chart, the sun and moon are in a conjunction, 25 plus degrees of Gemini, located in approximately the fifth house of this chart. By the way, as I'll, I'll connect this chart up later to the discovery of Uranus in 1781, because when Uranus was discovered in 1781, Uranus had moved from this position in this new moon before birth for America from seven plus of Gemini, moved to 24 Gemini, almost exactly this particular position of the sun and moon before the birth of America. So the new moon before birth carries a kind of seed. It's when the sun and moon came together, and it was during that sun-moon month of 29 plus days that America was born on July 4th. But here's the really fascinating thing, two things. One is Saturn, which was is elevated in America's actual birth chart, in the top of America's birth chart with Sagittarius rising on July 4th of 1776, is exactly stationary on the new moon before birth for America, June 15, 1776. Saturn had no motion. So in a way, what was happening, which is interesting, is 19 days before the Declaration of Independence came into being, on our birthday, July 4th, 1776, in the Congress there in Philadelphia, already 19 days before that, 
Saturn had stopped. Saturn represents the the structure of the new government, but also the fact that the 13 colonies were fighting against this king, uh, King George III, with everything about the taxes, no taxation without representation, and all the battles that had been fought, the Boston Massacre, the Battle of Lexington and Concord, um, the Boston Tea Party, so many of these events that had taken place in the years before and then led up to the Declaration of Independence. So Saturn not moving on the day of the new moon, tremendously powerful as a symbol of what, again, the colonists, the 13 colonies and Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, these different people writing the Declaration of Independence they're they're writing against the inequities of a, of a king in a foreign country trying to control the colonies. One other thing, though, Aquarius is rising, the sign of the new age, and I've been talking so much about the next inauguration chart with the sun at zero Aquarius, and next year all these uh, planetary energies are going to be at zero plus of Aquarius, and we're moving into this air uh, sign uh, Jupiter-Saturn every 20 years and Aquarius-Gemini and Libra for the next 180 years, this mutation away from the Earth-Jupiter-Saturn cycles every 20 years since 1841. And now next year, not only is it a significant election regarding a referendum on Trump and, and Pence, but it's the, it's a beginning movement in in toward the Aquarian age vibrations, which will take actually several hundred years. It doesn't just happen on a given morning or a given year or a given decade. It's a process. So in this chart, as you look at it, on the left side of any chart, at the horizontal area that cuts through the chart, cuts through the middle of the chart, if you look all the way to the left, you'll see 12 degrees with the Aquarius symbol, the two wavy lines, 57 minutes. And Pluto is in house number 12 in the sign Capricorn, 27 plus Capricorn, the same degree it will then be 19 days later in America's birth chart. And you'll see Pallas in the first house, the diamond with the cross under it at 28 Aquarius 02. And if you work with midpoints, I will explain more about midpoints in the future. The Pallas Pluto midpoint is exactly the rising degree. Now, keep in mind, neither Pluto or Pallas had been discovered. Pallas would not be discovered until March 28 of 1802, which I've reported about before, going all the way back to podcast number two uh, with the Pallas discovery chart. Pluto would not be discovered in, until 1930, February 18, 1930, and then announced to uh, the world on March 13 of 1930, which was the, was the anniversary date for when uh, Sir William Herschel announced the discovery of, of Uranus in Bath, England, March 13, 1781. So both Pallas and Pluto, at that time, June 15, 1776, their midpoint on the ascendant of the new moon that ushered in the Declaration of Independence, both planets were not there. Nobody knew they were there. So even if an astrologer or astronomer were looking at a chart, they would have known about Saturn, they might have known that Saturn wasn't moving. They would have known that the sun and moon were in Gemini and that uh, Uranus wasn't discovered either. So they wouldn't have known that. But they, they might have seen Venus and Mars uh, earlier in that day when they were above the horizon. They'd be in the sign of Gemini. They could have been sighted. Uh, so <laughs> it's extraordinary to think that we can go back and see that Pallas Athena was prominent 
in a midpoint with another planet, Pluto, which, as we'll see, is very strong in the chart of, of President Trump. I'll explain about that. And their midpoint exactly on the horizon in Aquarius. So this is a time chart. This is exact time, 1021 p.m. It's not another time. This is not something where you have to rectify anything. We can go back and create an exact time for when the new moon happened. It's an affirmed time. It's a confirmed time. It's not like we're trying to figure out when might it have, when might the Declaration of Independence have been uh, declared unanimous or accepted or somebody put a signature or somebody said it's over or let's all go home. We don't have to speculate. This is an exact chart. So having said all that, and I was going to share some other uh, stories, and again, I will have to uh, share that the next time because so many of these events have been happening and we might as well end on that particular note. I've been able to share as many things as I could for this reading. Uh, in the next podcast, I think I'm going to try and go through the list. I laugh about it because there's so many events that have happened um, from last Thursday and onward having to do with a whole host of different people. Uh, people like uh, Malcolm Nance, the De- Department of Justice accusing Julian Assange of um, violating the Espionage Act. These are all, some of these stories are just extraordinary of how it relates to the themes of intelligence gathering and justice or miscarriage of justice and fighting for justice, as well as uh, protecting the United States from espionage or hacking, uh, whether it's domestic or foreign. So I'm going to go through the list in the next podcast, just create one more podcast so you'll be up to date of all these stories and then we'll move on to other themes uh, beyond the Sun-Palace progressed conjunction United States birth chart. So you have a lot more to go on now. I'd like um, to thank you all for listening. I really appreciate that uh, any kind of uh, comments, if you want to send them in, my email is mark at greatbearenterprises.com That's mark at Great Bear Enterprises, all strung together.com. You're welcome to write favorably, unfavorably, uh, criticism or anything else. And again, remember, we do have the four asteroids and Chiron as a report. It's in our the astrology shop. If you go to the homepage of our website at www.greatbearenterprise.com, go to the astrology shop, go to the area of Um, astrology reports you can then click on a little bar view samples scroll down when you get to that page you'll see four asteroids and chiron you can read the sample report of margaret thatcher the former prime minister of the united kingdom of england and uh, then see uh, really good writing from a researcher astrologer uh, vanita hutchinson uh, particularly in her uh, introductions to Ceres, Pallas, Juno, and Vesta, how sharp she is, as well as seeing how a report like that runs. And that will allow you all to think about either getting a report, um, learning more about where the asteroids and Chiron are in your birth chart by sign, by house, and aspect. Okay, wishing everybody um, a great day and upward and onward with all the work that we're doing here. And thank you again for listening. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.